talked about feminism. We've talked about predestination. And I think all of these topics are really difficult conversations. And that is the point of this series is it's to encourage everyone here to be asking those difficult questions so that not just during the summer, but during the whole year, you guys are asking those tough questions and we're having those tough conversations in our small groups when we go out and have coffee together if you're in high school, not if you're in middle school. Um, when we go to the beach or whatever, whatever we're doing, that we're having those tough conversations. But I think the, com- the conversations that we've been having so far have been really difficult intellectual and academic conversations, right? And this conversation that we're talking about today is not so difficult, like, intellectually. Like, you're going to get it pretty fast once I start talking about it. But it's difficult because it's really a heart and a hand issue. And what I mean by that is it's easy to understand and we actually know it, but it's really hard to actually believe it in our hearts. And it's even harder to actually do it with our actions, with our hands. So that's what makes this conversation really difficult. So today we are talking about conflict. How do we deal with conflict among believers? Um, So we're all in danger of this parasite. This parasite has the power to, it's in the body of Christ and it has this power to kind of explode us from the inside. Um, But the best thing is that the Bible actually has a written plan of action. It tells us exactly what we should be doing when there is conflict between fellow believers. And so I got a lot of questions or a lot of the AMA questions were about conflict Um, And there were kind of these two groupings, I would say. And one of them, some of the questions had a lot to do with just what do you do with difficult people? Like, how do you deal with irritating people in the church? Because there are irritating people in the church. And you might be an irritating person at times. (laughs) Right? We're all going to be irritating and difficult at times. Um, So how do we deal with people who just rub us the wrong way sometimes? And people are difficult, it's not a secret, Um, but our society has cultivated this idea on social media and on TV and even video games sometimes that your happiness is the most important thing and that your comfort and my comfort should drive the decisions that we make because you and I deserve to feel good. And I'm here to give you some sobering news. That's not true. (laughs) Um, yes, I know. I heard some gasps. I'm sorry. Because it's inevitable that you will encounter difficult people, and it's inevitable that you will be a difficult person at times. And so, avoiding difficult people is not Christ-like. So that's kind of our first, I want you guys to hear that. Avoiding difficult people is not Christ-like. So, we have this prescription for our illness. The Bible gives us a prescription. And what's the first prescription that God gives us? The first prescription is that we love one another. And this is a really easy thing to say, but it's a very hard thing to do. So, what does the Bible say about loving one another? The Bible talks a lot about this. Like, a whole lot. Like, a whole Bible's worth of loving one another. And forbearance. Okay? Forbearance is this very big word. It's used a lot in my family. And what forbearance means is this idea of being long-suffering. My dad is long-suffering because he has three daughters. Uh, Forbearance is about being patient. It's about having self-control. And it's about having tolerance for other people. And in our family, we often kind of 
summarize this by saying that forbearance is thinking the best of another person. So if someone is doing something to you, it's about thinking the best of that person before you think the worst. And loving other people and this idea of forbearance is all over the Bible. So I'm going to read some passages. 1 John 3, 11, it says, The message you heard from the very beginning is this, we must love one another. 1 Peter 4, 8, above everything, love one another earnestly because love covers over many sins. John 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. So there's a lot about love. And I could spend this entire time just up here reading verses about love and the commandment to love one another, but we don't have time because we have other things to talk about. Um, Loving people is really hard, though. In fact, it requires that you actually give something up of yourself in order to do it well. And I think that's this concept that we forget because TV and movies and society has made it sound like love is just a feeling and love is easy and love shouldn't be so hard. And if you love another person, they'll let you be you. And that's just not true. Love actually is really, really hard and it requires something of you. So 1 Corinthians 13, this is the like quintessential like Christian wedding verse. If you don't have this read at your wedding, like wedding, like what are you doing? No, I'm just kidding. Because actually this isn't meant for weddings. It's not meant for uh, young men and women who are about to embark on that journey. It's actually meant for all of us. So this should actually be read at, I don't know, your birth. I don't know. This is what it says. This love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag and it is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So what does that mean? Well, what I see from that passage is all the things that love costs me. Love is patient. That means that it costs my ability to get what I want when I want. Love is kind. It means it costs my ability to say what I want when I want and do what I want when I want, even if it hurts another person. It's not jealous. It costs me my ability to be jealous of another person. I have to love another person enough to let them be them and let them have what they have and not be jealous of them. Love does not brag. It means I have to be humble. It's not arrogant. Same thing. It does not act unbecomingly, which means it's not inappropriate. It does not seek its own, which I think is a perfect example of costing us something. It's not about us. It's about another person. It costs my, it costs my ability to think about me, but I have to think about another person first. It's not provoked does not take into account its wrong suffered. Love costs me my grudges, my want, my desire for revenge. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. And it bears all things. And I think that those three words, love bears all things. Love is long suffering. Love lasts through the coworker who just never seems to actually pull their full weight while they're on the job. Love lasts through the small group peer who just talks about and complains about their life. Love 
lasts through the parent who's constantly telling you what to do and when to do it and why to do it. Love bears all things. It believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. So love costs us something. We actually have to work really hard to love people. And I love this next passage that I'm going to read because I think the wording in the NIV is so perfect. It's Isaiah 58, 10. And this is when Isaiah is talking to the Israelites and he says, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfying the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. And I want to focus on the word spend yourselves because it's talking here about giving ourselves up for the needs of others. Has anyone ever heard that phrase? I'm just spent. I've had a long day. I'm so spent. No? Yes. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Katie. Thank you. Gosh, guys, let's go. Come on. Okay. So to be spent is to be exhausted, right? If you're exhausted, if you've spent yourself, then you are tired and loving people is exhausting. You should be tired if you are loving people well. So it requires that we spend ourselves. So this first prescription of how to deal with conflict, really it's dealing with our own sin. Because when we don't love people well, what we're failing to do is see other people, other Christians, with how God sees them and how God loves them. So that deals with our own sin. So we have to love one another in order to deal with conflict. So the second prescription is really dealing with conflict with another, in another person, or with another person, excuse me, when they have sinned against us, or when they have wronged us in some way, or when we, or when we have been hurt by that person. So that second prescription is to forgive one another. And that's really, really hard. Oh my goodness. But Matthew 18 Jesus gives us this step-by-step process of what to do when people sin against us. And it starts with verse 15. And it says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So I just want to stop at verse 15 because that's the first step. It's like step one in this process that Jesus is giving us. He says, go to that person who has sinned against you one-on-one and confront them. Tell them lovingly what they have done that has hurt you to resolve that conflict. Notice it doesn't say talk to your friend first, complain about them behind their back, confer with another person, chat on a group chat about how terrible this person has, what they've done to you. It doesn't say that. It says between you and him alone. And that means you don't talk to another person about that at all until you've talked to that person. And that is really hard as young people. It doesn't get, I don't think it gets any easier. I'm almost 26 and I mean, that's not that old, but it doesn't get easier to not want to gossip about other people and what they've done to you. But Jesus is making it really clear that the first step is that you go and talk to this person alone. And it says, if, you, if he listens to you, if he hears what you have to say, you've gained your brother. Like, it's all good. You guys have handled your conflict. You've resolved it. You've forgiven them. Then you're good. But it goes on. It says, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. 
Now, what does that mean? That sounds kind of complicated, but it's really not. What he's saying is if that person doesn't listen to you or they don't hear what they have to say or what you have to say, what you should do is then you take another person, another fellow believer or a, or a, a third fellow believer with you, a person or two people who the person who has offended you respects and you take them and they should be a witness to what, how they have hurt you. So what that means is that they understand what you, what has happened between you two and they've, they've either seen it or they've either, they, or they have either heard of it. So you, the two or three of you go to them and again, you have that private conversation right? It doesn't say go before social media and attack them. It doesn't say that. Um, then it goes on. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Whoa, 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 whoa. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And this is where we start to get a little, like the first two steps we can kind of get behind. Like, yeah, I'm going to talk to that person. The second, I'm going to talk to them with, like, maybe another witness. But then when we get to this step, we're all like, whoa, we have to, like, bring it to the church? Like, in front of everyone? And that seems really uncomfortable. And it is. And if you've noticed, each step has gotten more and more uncomfortable. We started with a little bit of awkward. Then we got to kind of awkward. And now, or kind of uncomfortable. And now we've gotten to almost unbearable. Like standing in front of a church or telling it to the church is pretty unbearable. And that's kind of the point. Um, This last step is really, really rough. And it's supposed to feel rough. Because that awkwardness and that uncomfortableness and that unbearableness is supposed to help you and I understand the weight of our sin. That sinning should not be comfortable. It's not a good thing. Because it has the power to destroy us from the inside. And so when our sin becomes unbearable, it requires that we actually do something about it. And when we, together, fail to confront another person in the way that the Bible lays out, in the way that Jesus lays out for us, we fail to give that person an opportunity to turn away from their sin. And if we fail to do that, then we are not loving that person the way that Christ has asked us to love them. So we fail the first prescription. So I, in my life, um, have had certain situations where something like this has happened. Not to me, but in my general life. I don't know how to say it without, you know, giving too much information. But um, I wasn't the one who had to do this confronting, but I was left with some of the consequences afterwards. And I want to tell you a little bit, just a smack, about how that affected my life. But first, I want to tell you how Peter responds to Jesus. And he says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. So Peter's asking, how many times do I really have to forgive a person when they sin against me? And Jesus answers him by giving him this exaggerated number, this kind of hyperbole. And he's saying it's more than you actually think, right? It's 70 times 7. And though forgiveness is difficult, it's really a beautiful thing. So there was a time in my life where someone sinned, 
And it was really, really hard for me to forgive them. And I spent a lot of time feeling very, very angry at them. And I remember being at school, I was in college, and I would get up in the morning with my roommates and we would study scripture. And that's kind of, that was our accountability. And we would study scripture with one another. And I remember praying, God, I am so mad. I am so angry and I don't want to forgive this person because I am so angry. If you want me to forgive them, and I know you do, you're going to have to change my heart because I can't do it by myself. I, I am so mad. And so I remember that morning, I opened up my Bible, and I was led to Acts. And we started reading Acts. And I remember reading about Paul and his conversion. And he explains the story of the gospel, and he t- talks about grace and how we've been given grace time and time again. And how because we've been given grace, we have to extend that to one another. And I remember being like, it was like, God just like punched me in the jaw and was like, I forgave you. Who are you to not forgive your brother or sister in Christ? And so that's really the story of the gospel because each one of us Christians, the body of believers, were built on this one idea of forgiveness, right? We have, we share this one idea that Christ died and was resurrected, and through that we are forgiven, we're absolved of our sins. And time and time again, each and every day, we are forgiven over and over more times than we deserve. And so we too, as fellow believers, should forgive one another. And that's really hard. I'm not saying it's easy. It's actually very, very difficult. But what this passage is showing us is that the goal is to work towards peace with one another. It's not to withdraw from one another. Because avoiding difficult people would be much easier. But that's not the goal. That's not what Christ has asked us to do. So why is this important? Why should we go through dealing with difficult people? Um, I think it's because Ephesians 4. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. When you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We as a body are on a mission, right? We have this mission. It's called the great commission. And our goal is to glorify God, to preach the gospel to other people, to other nations, to lift one another up. And we can't do that if we have a parasitic wasp inside of us trying to lay its eggs and tear us apart from the inside. We just can't. We can't do it. So today, I'd like to give us a time to respond. I'm going to ask the band to come back up here right now. And I'd like you guys to all just close your eyes point at the person. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. But I'd like to give us a time to respond. I'd like you to think about the person or the people in your life who you find it very hard to get along with. Who is a difficult person in your life? And I want you to think about, are you a difficult person? And I want you to spend some time praying and ask yourself, what is the prescription needed at this time? Is it to love another person better? Has the love that you have for that difficult person bore all things? 
Have you really exhausted yourself? Have you spent yourself in your quest to love them like Christ loves them and see them like Christ sees them? Or maybe the prescription that's needed is to forgive them. Maybe you've been hurt by someone or you've been sinned against by someone and you need to have that personal one-on-one conversation according to what Matthew 18, what Jesus has asked us to do with one another. I'm not going to ask that you do that right now. I think that's a very personal thing that should be done on your own personal time. But I want you to ask yourself, is that something that needs to be done? So let's spend some time in prayer just with ourselves, with no one else, talking to God and asking him to make us more like him and to love one another more like him so that as a body of believers, we can be more united and not torn apart.